I'm so thankful for our church family and the many opportunities we have to see our family grow. And I ask you to pray for them. Now, how many times have we had families up here before with their children and you say, I will pray for them. Okay. Every time you hear you're in like a store and you hear a baby cry, just remember, who do I need to pray for today? What child do I need to pray for? What family do I need to pray for? What parents could really use a blessing right now? Pray for them, would you please? This morning, um, I've got one, actually two quick announcements before we dig into God's Word. First of all, um, out on the back table, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you take this card for me and go put it out in the lobby? There's the tall tables right around the door. Could you put that with those, please? Thank you. That card, along with three other cards, will be out there for you to sign. Um, Heather Huffman came to me a couple weeks ago and said, you know, what happened down in Texas at the Sutherland uh, Church, that was so tragic. What can we do as a church? Obviously, we pray for them, right? Can we send them a card from our church or something like that just to let them know there's people out there praying for them? We know that when things happen, it sort of goes in cycles or like something horrible happens, whether it's a hurricane or a shooting or whatever, some kind of violence. And then the next week, there's something new and you sort of forget about what happened, right? Well, we'd like to send them a card and continue to pray for them. So weeks after this has happened, they know nobody's forgotten about them, uh, that there are people praying for them. So if you would, when you leave today, those cards will be right around in the lobby on those tall tables. Just if you want to sign your name, write a note, go for it. Uh, and we'll mail those cards off to them. And, you know, some people say, well, what are we doing for our church? We do have a, a safety and security team, and we have uh, been getting together here in the last week or two, uh, a couple times now, and just to say, as a church, let's make sure we're on top of this, okay? Whether it's a paper cut that a kid has in preschool class, or whether it's a tragic event, we would like to be prepared as a church. So please know that uh, our church has taken measures. We are taking measures. We're continuing. And so please look in your emails or uh, for information on that. We probably won't put it in social media. We'll put it on our emails, though. So if you don't have an email uh, with us yet, get one, okay? Uh, we do have a couple people that during the service, they're out in the hallways sort of patrolling around, just keeping an eye on things. And, and I don't want you to worry about that. I want you to be anxious. God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of what? Power and love and self-discipline, right? So God has given us not this, oh, I should be anxious when I come to church. No, we're going to come and worship him. So we are providing measures to make sure you don't have to worry about that when you come in this sanctuary. We trust God, and we want to make sure we're using our wits to the best of our ability uh, in protecting this church. Just like putting on a seatbelt, right? You put that seatbelt on, you never even think about this. And when does that seatbelt come in handy? In a moment of tragedy, right? So when you come on Sunday mornings, we'll put the seatbelt on every Sunday and pray that we never have a tragedy, right? Um, this holiday is quickly approaching, is it not? It just seems like all of a sudden uh, we are here at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I'm telling you, it came quick. And it's... it's um, it's not unusual to hear people talk about getting together with their family. A lot of you have plans. Some of you are leaving early within the next couple of days. You're not even going to wait for Wednesday or Thursday. You're taking off like Monday or Tuesday. And I tell you, family is something special. But we know that not all family get-togethers are enjoyable, are they? Some of you know what I'm talking about. 
Some of you are already making excuses as to why you can't go to so-and-so's house. Um, and you've thought about, man, well, what if I get sick? Let's see, I probably <clears throat> should start coming up with a cough now, right? Um, some of us are, are, are that way. Because what we know is true of this is that not every family get-together is a Hallmark movie, okay? Now, I say that because when you watch those Hallmark movies, everything is always good, isn't it? Everybody's so happy, and it's, oh, the people who don't love each other fall in love? I mean, isn't it a Hallmark movie, right? Family get-togethers aren't always like that. And by the way, i got a pet peeve about Hallmark movies. Okay, just going to throw it out there. Do you ever notice, if you ever watch any of those, especially the Christmas ones, when somebody comes into the house, they walk in, they open the door, they walk in, and they start talking, they move off, the, they never shut the door. Do you ever notice that? Just watch sometime. Something, you're like, that door is still open, and it's 30 degrees outside. They're so bad in wasting fuel right now. I just, the heat, they're just heating the outside, so I shouldn't watch those movies. Anyway, so where was, oh yeah, so life, you know, our family get-togethers are not always so rosy and fun, are they? So I was thinking about this over the next six weeks. I want to sort of, I'm not going to say redefine the word family, but I want to talk about family. And, uh, for example, when I think of family, I think of my house. I think of my, my wife and my three boys. And I, then I think of my mom and all my siblings and their kids and their kids' kids. Whew. Then I think of my in-laws, okay? And then I don't think about that too long. And then I think, oh, I'm just kidding, I love my in-laws. Love them. Um, but I think about, you know, when I think of family, I think, what, blood relationship, right? But then here's, here's, here's another thought. When I think of family, here's what I also think about. Church family. I think of my church family. I think of all the years of being a part of a church that I would not be where I am today without my church family. When I first moved here like 25-ish, seven years ago, something like that, 28 years ago, um, I was a single guy, and my fiancé just sort of broke up with me, and I'm in There's This isn't like the greatest place to find single people, just to let you know if you're in your early 20s, okay? Just saying, okay? So I feel for some of you. So, you know who really kept me around and took me in during that time? The church. I was this young youth pastor, single guy, missing home, ready to pack up and call it quits and move back to Indiana. But the church family really took me in. And it's my church family who I've learned a lot from, right? So I want you to think about this. Your, think back now to your blood family, your direct relationship, Okay. That's where we learn what's acceptable and not acceptable, right? What's expected and what's not expected of family. When I go visit my mom and, and my family on Thursday for Thanksgiving, I already know when I show up in Indiana, I already know who's going to say what, who's going to sit where, what we're going to talk about, right? You just sort of know. It's family, right? And the, here's the thing, though. I sort of know what our family is like, too, as a church, um, we have expectations. You know, and I'm not talking rules, like don't run in church and don't talk to another person. But we have expectations. And those are our, based from our beliefs. What we learn in God's word shapes our behavior then. And so when I was thinking about this, I, I want, I guess, to focus on <clears throat> what you see up here. Our family will, will what? What's... What's the expectation of being a part of True North Church? And, and listen very carefully. I don't want to just say just True North, okay? The church family, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you have some, some great friends that go to other churches and so forth and so on, right? 
So I'm not just, it's just sort of saying just our True North Church family, but if you, if you are part of the True North Church family, this is what I guess I want to focus on the next six weeks. What are we like? What, what do we, what are we uh, when you see uh, somebody that belongs to this church, what do we expect from them? Just like when I go to Indiana, I know what I'm going to expect. I know what I'm going to see, right? So if somebody walks in these doors, it's a part of this church, what are they going to see? What are they going to expect? And so let's start throwing this out here. Our family will give thanks and forgive each other. Is that fair enough? We'll start there today, and we'll continue to work through this. Now, some of you say, oh, that, that first one, that's easy. Give thanks. That's, that's easy peasy, right? Okay, but the second one, forgive others, can we just, how about we just focus on the first one all day today and not even worry about that second one, right? Because that one's a little bit tougher, isn't it? Right? Of course it is. We'll, we'll do this. We'll focus on the first one. So we'll make it really simple for us today, okay? First thing I want you to do is think about something you want for Christmas, okay? It's right around the corner, okay? For the, for the, uh, the kids, this is going to be super easy, right? Maybe some of you adults as well. And I don't want you to think world peace, salvation to all, okay? I want you to think something materialistic. I know, can you believe that? I'm asking you to be materialistic right now in this moment. Think of an object, a thing. You're like, man, if I just had this, this would be awesome, okay? I'm giving you about... Five seconds to think about it, okay? Maybe I'll give you ten. Keep thinking. What is it? Everybody got it? I did what I was asking you. I gave it a quick thought, and it didn't come up long for me. Cabin socks. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with cabin socks. I got my first pair last year at Christmas. Now, I want you to understand something. I've grown up on hand-me-downs and Kmart blue light specials, Okay? So if it doesn't come in a package of 12 and costs less than 5 bucks, I have no clue what you're talking about. Elite socks, what are those? Cabin socks, Nike Elite? I, those are like foreign language to me, okay? Uh, cheap, other white tube socks, that's what I wear, right? But then last Christmas, I got my first pair of cabin socks. Can I tell you how comfortable, and I'm not even selling these, okay? They're not for sale. But they feel so good, so warm, so soft, now I understand why somebody may pay the money they paid to get a pair of socks, right? They make my feet happy. Happy feet, happy life, right? Something like that. Okay, now I want you to consider something you already have. What is it that you already have? Again, I want you to be materialistic, okay? What is it you already have that you're like, oh, this, I'm just so thankful for this. This is awesome. I love it. Okay, what's the first thing that came to your mind? Okay, now again, I did the same exercise. First thought that came to my mind was my vehicle. It's a 2002, okay? But I love it. Why? Because it gets me from one place to the other. That's all I need right now. Just get me from one place to the other, okay? Now, here's the thing. This is something I really would like, right? <clears throat> this is nothing you need to get me, okay? But I'm just saying. But you know what happens to these? They get holes, right? Eventually, they wear out. And something I already have, my, my vehicle... Guess what happens to that? Tires go bald. It needs a tune-up. It makes funny noises, right? You know, you get the picture here. See, I'm, I'm thankful for the things I have, and there are things I don't have that I really like. But you know what? When do I lose my thankfulness? Maybe I lose my thankfulness when I think I really need something that I don't have, and because I don't have it yet, I sort of lose that, thanksgiving feeling, that attitude of gratitude. 
my attention is going on something I don't have. What I'd like you to do is open up your Bibles with me to the book of Luke. Book of Luke, chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. A great story here. A simple story. We won't spend a lot of time on it. You're going to get a lot of scripture today. I'm going to ask you if you want, write it down. Look it up later this week. So for about every day of the week we have this week, you'll have a scripture you can look up on Thanksgiving. In the story it says, Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and he entered a village there. Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he'd done. This man was a Samaritan. Verse 17. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Again, it's a simple story, is it not? How Jesus is traveling along and he comes across ten men with leprosy. Again, leprosy was a disease some believed to be contagious. But because of this, you were an outcast. You were shunned. You were separated from everybody else. If you had a family, you were taken out of your family. If you had a job, you didn't have that job anymore. Sometimes you were just even cast outside the town. You were left alone, required to stay away from people. Matter of fact, people came near you, you had to announce, unclean, unclean. How embarrassing is that, right? Can you imagine when you're sick and people walk by, he's like, throwing up, sick. Or, you know, you start yelling out other terms like, oh, that's embarrassing. You need to keep that one to yourself, buddy, right? You know how embarrassing that is? But that's what they had to do. And then when their leprosy at times would maybe go into remission, then they would go to a priest. That priest would look at them, look them over and say, you are clean. You may go back to your family, go back to work, and go back to a normal lifestyle, which was an incredible blessing, right? Well, Jesus told them what to do in this situation. He looked at them, he saw these 10 unclean lepers, and he looked at them and he said, go show yourself to the priest. He didn't say you were healed. He didn't say, hey, I got what... He just said, go show yourself to the priest. And they did. But as they're leaving to fulfill what Jesus told them to do, as they're leaving, they are healed. They responded in faith. Jesus healed them on the way. Now think about this. Is our trust in God so strong that we will act on what he says even before the evidence is there? Is your faith that strong? Are you willing to say, God says, I want you to do this. I want you to sell this and go be a missionary over here. Or I want you to give this much in the church offering. Or I want you to serve here. I want you to quit your job and do this. You know, if God just whispers something crazy in you, like, all right. And you go do it without any evidence. Did you have that kind of faith? That's an incredible faith, isn't it? And that's what these men did. But as we read, we discover how many came back. Ten left and got healed. How many came back? One. Only one came back. And he didn't just come back. He came back shouting praise to God. He felt the feet of Jesus, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Okay, now some of you are like, yeah. Samaritan and Jews didn't get along together at all. It's sort of like this. Ohio State, Michigan. 
to its worst condition, okay? Now, Pastor Landon already preached on this, that we're going to love one another regardless of who we cheer for, right? Okay? But I want you to think, sometimes that's the kind of rivalry that was here with the Samaritans and Jews. They didn't like each other. Matter of fact, if this plot of land here was full of Samaritans, the Jews would go around, not even going through your town. I won't even drive through it because you are a Samaritan. And it's like Jesus said, no, 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 no. You all need to sit down together and be at peace. There are no boundaries or rivals in God's kingdom. Grace is for everyone. Grace is for everyone. It's like Jesus was looking at these men and said, you have value. See, because my Father God and I, we created you with value. So regardless of your background, regardless of what sickness has fallen upon you, sickness is part of a fallen world. Someday you will not be a part of this fallen world anymore. But I want to let you know now, you have value. Because you have value, I'm going to heal you. This man was given something new. He had a healed body, but he was also introduced to Jesus Christ that day. And Jesus recognizes that this man has faith. So what do we learn from this story? I mean, if we're looking, there's probably a lot of things we could learn. But when we learn that this, first of all, the majority of people today are not thankful. Nine out of ten, they might have been thankful, but they didn't express it. They just kept on walking. They never came back to Jesus and said, thank you so much. Only one came back. You know, growing up, I was taught this. There's two magical phrases you always use, right? Please and thank you. May I please have this? It isn't like, hey, give me that. And it's like, thank you so much. Thank you. you whatever somebody did, you said thank you, right? Taught at an early age. That's what we do. It's possible to receive God's great gifts and have an ungrateful spirit. You know that? Matter of fact, it happens all the time. Today you got up your breathing. Did you thank God for that? We didn't mean to be ungrateful, right? I didn't think about thanking God for that or my vehicle or my clothes. I didn't think about the fact that I had a shower today or breakfast or I've got a church to go to. I've got heat. I've got all these things I'm really thankful for and I didn't thank him. Sometimes God can bless us and we don't mean to have an ungrateful spirit, but we do. We've got to stop it sometimes and just say, you know what? God, thank you so much for what you've given me. God doesn't demand that we thank him. But he is pleased when we do. Jesus didn't say, hey, you other nine, get back here and thank me. He didn't do that, did he? You don't want to thank me? Okay. But one did come back and he commended him. He blessed him. He uses our responsiveness to teach us more. And, and, and maybe, maybe we learn from this passage that we need to be that one. When everybody else around you is ungrateful, maybe you need to be that one that says, thank you. Praise God. Thank you. And it takes effort, right? You have to actually turn around and walk back. Sometimes being grateful takes effort. And we can be really lazy and not give thanks. But make the effort and give thanks. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Psalm 24, 1. Let me read these scriptures to you. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What do you have that God hasn't given you? Everybody think about that for a second. What do you have that God hasn't given you. And if everything you have is from God, 
Why boast as though it were not a gift? Psalm 24.1, this tradition said that this psalm was sung at the very beginning of the week. This was like the first psalm that was sung every week at the very beginning. Okay, so we'd start off every week like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. What if we woke up every Monday morning before we start off the work week and we're like, the earth is the Lord's, everything in it. I own nothing. I'm just a steward of what belongs to him. Thank you, God, for everything that you've given me this week. And then we head off the rest of the week. What if we sang that every, every Monday morning, you know? Because we own nothing. Everything that we are, all that we have, is from the hand of the Lord. We are just mere stewards of what God's given us. So really, we have nothing to boast about. James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect gift is a gift from coming down from God our Father. Let me read that again. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God, our Heavenly Father. See, God even provides the air we breathe, right? Sustains us in life. And if this is true, what must our response be? Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, God. No one owes us anything, right? And we're not entitled to anything. It's so easy today to think that we're entitled to stuff. Hey, I just turned 16. My parents should be buying me a car. Because all my friends' parents buy them cars. My kids know in our house, no. You're not entitled to a vehicle. You're not entitled to certain things. Those are called bigger blessings that daddy can't provide for you or mommy. Okay. You're not entitled to certain things. You know, think about this. When you work, you earn a paycheck, right? And you may not be as thankful because why? You expected something in return. I put my time in doing this, so I should receive something, right? I've earned it. So it's like, well, I'm probably not going to be as thankful because I earned it, right? But when you're giving something that you haven't earned, that you can't work for, it's even more incredible of a gift, isn't it? And you're more thankful for it. Does that make sense? So I want you to think about this, all the students that are in here. You earned that A, right? Let me ask you, who gave you your brain the ability to think, the ability to write, the ability to learn? Was it not God? So maybe you ought to be thanking God for that A or that B if, or that C if you're really struggling, right? You earned that starting spot on the team, did you? Who gave you your muscles? Who created you with agility and power and strength? Who blessed you with that? Those are my dad's jeans or my mom's jeans, right? Mm. Go back further. Who, who gave you that? Have you thanked God for that? And if you have a job, and well, thank God, first of all, for the job you have. And even though you earned that paycheck, guess who blessed you with that paycheck? Not your employer. God's blessed you with the opportunity to have a job to work. Turn to 1 Thessalonians Five, sixteen to 18. And this is one of those small books in the New Testament towards the middle back. Get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Go past 1st and 2nd Corinthians and keep going. 1st Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It's very short verses, but I want you to, to hear this. It says this, Always be joyful. Repeat after me, please. Always be joyful. Try it again. Always be joyful. 
Never stop praying. Be thankful. I'll shout this next word. In all circumstances. Very good. Now let me read this again to you. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be joyful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Do you see how praise and prayer and thankfulness go together in the scripture? And they're all right together. My joy and my prayers and my thanksgiving are all coupled together here. Persistent in prayer, never stop praying, and I'm thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. A lot of times people are like, how can I be thankful for the circumstance in my life right now? How can I be thankful for what happened to my family? How can I be thankful for? Did God say be thankful for all circumstances? I think he said be thankful in all circumstances. We don't like all the circumstances that come our way, right? Absolutely not. There are some tragic things, there's some hurt, and there's some pain. But it's in those circumstances I can give thanks because God has not left me. Because God gives me peace. Because God gives me hope. Because in those tough circumstances, I see people showing the love of God like I've never seen before. Simple story, right? With Mike and Jen, when your house, how many people in this church came over and just showed love on you, right? In that circumstance, you were thankful. Are you thankful for that circumstance? No. But are you thankful in that circumstance? Yes. Each of us can probably substitute something we've gone through or we've seen maybe one or a hundred people come along in that circumstance and be there for us. More importantly, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever wondered what God's will is for your life. I don't know how many times I've had a teenager or a college student or somebody come to me and say, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. What does God want for my life? What is God's will? Did you read this? For this is God's will for you who belong in Jesus Christ. God's will. He desires our thanksgiving, our gratitude. That is the will of God. What does God want? He wants us to show gratitude and thanksgiving. Keep talking to him in prayer. There's some more scriptures that I'd love to go through, and you can look these up. Romans 1, 21, and Ephesians 5, 1 to 4. And those scriptures, you can text me, email me, call me, whatever, and let me know, hey, Rex, can you please send me those scriptures? I want to look them up. Those scriptures talk about what happens when you are unthankful, when you're not thankful, when you are showing an attitude of ingratitude. You're like, I'm not thankful at all. What happens when you take that kind of path? It's a bad path to take. And Ephesians 5, 1 to 4 talks about imitating God. And part of imitating God is when we imitate God, well, we can't imitate his, all, his, uh, his power. We can't imitate his knowledge, right? We can't imitate his presence. But we can imitate other things about him that we see revealed in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of scriptures throughout, Bible, throughout the Bible. And, and in Ephesians 5, 1 to 4, when it talks about imitating God, which is the only place it talks about imitating God in the whole Bible. Verse 4, it says this, Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So when we imitate God, there's a lot of things we could do, but you want to imitate God? Well, first of all, be careful what's coming out of your mouth. But this is what should be coming out of your mouth. Thankfulness should be coming out of your mouth. 
like I said, there are so many verses throughout the Bible focusing on giving thanks, having a grateful attitude. But observing these verses, I'll just sort of say this. I sort of came up with my own definition for Thanksgiving just off of this, okay, off of the different verses I've read. I'm going to read this to you. You can see it on the screen. But giving thanks is continually expressing praise to God and recognizing those things we have that we have not earned, choosing to make the effort to be the one with an intentional attitude of gratitude. Probably a big run-on sentence, isn't it? Okay. But when I look at all these scriptures, I'm thinking, what am I learning from God's word? What am I learning about giving thanks? And I said, you can do a study on this and find so many things. But for me this week, as I was studying, it's like, you know what? I need to continually express to God praise for giving me what I don't deserve. I haven't earned anything. And he gives it to me. Am I thankful for it? I need to be the one that's, that's going to make the effort to say, I'm going to show thankfulness. Even when maybe nobody else is, I will show thankfulness, right? When we are steadfast in Christ and we're growing and maturing, we are abounding and we're, we, we start to grow in thanksgiving. Matter of fact, Pastor Landon preached on this from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. He preached on this. I'm not going to hit on it, but I'm going to read the scripture for you. Listen carefully. It says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Do you hear that? As we grow mature in Christ, we become more full of thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving, here's what happens at my house, okay? When I go to see my mom and eat at their place, I'm going to be sitting at the Thanksgiving table. I'm going to have to push myself away. You know why? Because my mom and my wife, my sister-in-laws, my, everybody in the family, they're going to cook any food that's in the house. They're going to find it. They're going to cook it, and they're going to put it on the table. And there's going to be too much. And it is an overabundance. It's overflowing. And I am going to get full real quick. And it'll be the most miserable joy I've ever had, right? In the same way, we gather at the table of God's incredible banquet. And he, he gives us all these things, right? He gives us water and food. He gives us clothing. He gives us technology. He gives us his word to sustain our spiritual lives. He gives us so much. And basically there's times it's like, I am getting so full. I'm filling up on all of this good stuff. But let me tell you something. There's more. There's so much more. There's the main course which God desires us to have above all things. More than God wants us to be able to master technology, more than anything, God wants us to be able to have fancy clothes. God says, I've got something more that you need more than anything else. It's called salvation. It's called new life in me. Best of all that God gives, he provided his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who rescued us from our sin and our mistakes in our life. And he gives us eternal life. And you can, you can step back here and you can look at the table. Or you can sit at the table, but that does no good until you grab a fork and you partake at the table. 
God's given us a lot. And we can sit back, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. But you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to partake. He wants you to have a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. He wants you to draw near to him. He invites us to dig in. And when we dig in, we overflow with thanksgiving. When we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, we sit there and say, I've received God's grace. I can't earn God's grace. I receive God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says what? It's a gift from God. It's nothing we've earned, right? So church, let me ask you this. Have you received God's grace? Have you confessed your sins to a holy God? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? He is your rescuer. I heard an illustration, and maybe I'll save it for next week, that talks about how important it is to really place your faith in Jesus Christ. When I place my faith in him, I'm, I'm trusting him in all circumstances. And I can give him thanks in those moments. Church, I want to let you know this. I'm going to zip through these pictures. Our family will give thanks. Our family will forgive each other. Now, I understand when you get around with family this week and we're focusing on Thanksgiving, I want it to be more than just a Thursday thing. It should be an everyday thing. If somebody wants to describe this church, I hope they can say they're a very thankful church. But it isn't about being the church, right? It's as a believer in Jesus Christ, they should look at you and say, that, that, that person's really, really thankful. What's, why, why are they overflowing in thanksgiving? Because you've partaken in what God has given you. And the other part there, forgive others. Here's the deal. Why are we giving thanks? Because God gave us something we don't deserve. He forgave us. Right? We deserve it. Let's say Lupe does something to hurt me. And now I'm mad at him. Okay? And I don't want to forgive him because he did something that offended me. Can I just back up for a second? I've offended God with the sins of my life. Yet God looks at me and says, Rex, you've offended me by what you've done, but I forgive you. You've asked for forgiveness. I forgive you. We're good. But yet you won't forgive your brother. I've forgiven Lupe. He is my son. I've forgiven him. Who are you to not forgive Lupe? Are you the judge? No, I'm not. I'm not God. I'm not the judge. God's forgiven my brother. God's forgiven me. I've got to learn to forgive my brother. It's not always easy, is it? And some of you might be going to visit family, which there's a little tension going on. It may not be family. It might just be at work, right? I want to encourage you to ask God to help you have that forgiving spirit. But it starts with having a thankful spirit. Thank God for his forgiveness to you. Start there. Worship team, would you come forward? Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an incredible God. You have forgiven us when we don't deserve to be forgiven. You've given us all these material things, and we're so thankful. Somebody gives us a gift, and 
We say, oh, thanks, thank you so much, and we feel like we need to give them something back. And But God, you've given us the greatest thing ever, new life in you, forgiveness from a holy God. When we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Thank you, God. Thank you for forgiving us. And God, I pray that it, when we sit at any table, whether it's at a restaurant, or it's home, or it's a Thanksgiving table, and we look what's on that table, that we're reminded that all those things are good, and we can give you thanks for them. But the greatest thing we need to give thanks for is salvation, new life with you. And may that remind us to strive to be forgiving with others and to forgive others as you've forgiven us. And I know that's not easy, but our family will strive to give thanks and to forgive each other. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time we've had to worship you today. We sing to you now with all of our hearts. In our name we pray. Amen.